And it's so interesting when you see icebergs the size of Belgium floating by. Welcome back to the Insight Guys podcast. I'm Zara, one of the travel editors here. When I'm on the road, I'm always trying to get under the skin of a place and understand as much as I can about its culture. I'm up for seeing the sights, but I also want to know the stories behind them. At Insight Guides, we know that the best travel experience comes from on-the-ground knowledge. That's why we have a network of local experts who design and book tailored unique trips for each individual traveller. That way, the people who know the place best can introduce you to things you never would have found otherwise. One of the best experts I've met in my time at Insight Guides is Douglas Ward. Though he has a wide range of knowledge in many countries, Douglas's real travel expertise is just that, the travel itself. The thing that interests him the most is not the destination, but how to get there. Douglas knows everything there is to know about cruise ships. Working in the industry since the 60s, He's been writing and updating the iconic Berlitz Cruising and Cruise Ships Guide, dubbed the Bible of Cruising, for 34 years and counting. Cruising is one of the fastest growing travel industries. There are luxury options, family cruises, and expeditions to the Arctic, as well as sunny escapes. But, unbelievably, I've never been on a cruise. I had to find out more. Managing editor at Insight Guides, Sarah Clark brings us the story. It's amazing how one tiny thing can change your life forever. Hello, my name is Douglas Ward and it's nice to meet you all. This is Douglas, former cruise ship director turned cruise ship expert. I've worked closely with Douglas for many years and he is honestly still as enthusiastic about cruising as he was the first day I met him. But Douglas didn't start out as a cruise ship director. I was a jazz accordionist. And suddenly one day my agent said to me, I've got a nice gig for you. And that happened to be aboard RMS Queen Elizabeth. Now, what a coincidence that was, because that was 1965, and that was the year that uh, the Beatles came out with a song called Ticket to Ride. And uh, the Rolling Stones at that time, they released a record called Can't Get No Satisfaction. Well, I got lots of satisfaction aboard ships, so that's how I started. So, while for most people it might be a love of the sea or a fear of flights that brings them to cruising, for Douglas it was jazz accordion playing. And the world he fell into was literally the stuff of movies. Queen Elizabeth was crossing the North Atlantic every ten days. And that was rather nice to go from the old world, that was Southampton, to the new world, which was New York. So aboard the ship, five days, lots of playing, lots of gigs, and it was an incredibly fine environment. And lots of the film stars travel then, lots of the high-level politicians, you name them, they'll be aboard. There was a room called the Veranda Grill, and my little trio or quartet, we would play supper dances, starting at nine o'clock, usually not ending before about three o'clock or 3.30 in the morning. People would come and have a late dinner and then they would dance. 
And that's how I met some of the uh, film stars, like Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton, and Hermione Gingold. Lots of the stars travelled on the Queen Elizabeth and the Queen Mary, crossing the Atlantic, either to do a film in Europe or vice versa, coming back from a film. Or occasionally, we would carry also the um, Count Basie Band and the Duke Ellington Orchestra. So it was amazing because we got to sit in, well, those guys got to come and sit in with us. So we did lots and lots of jazz gigs at night. Great atmosphere. That decision, the decision to step off the land and into this otherworldly passenger liner, full of the biggest film and jazz stars of the 1960s, was the decision that changed the course of Douglas's life forever. Though his initial contract was only three months, Douglas ended up staying on the Queen Elizabeth for two and a half years. In fact, he fell so in love with ships that he ended up leaving his band, hanging up his accordion and becoming a full-time cruise director. And now I want to take you back in time, back to the early 1900s when the ocean liners were taking thousands and thousands of emigrants from the old world to the new world. I'm sure that many of you remember the film Titanic. Actually, that was one of the only films where I knew the ending before I actually saw the beginning. But in 1912, Titanic was crossing the Atlantic. Unfortunately, it came to a very unhappy end. But it was also transporting emigrants from the old world to the new world. Now, if you remember the film Titanic, you'll see, well, I'm sure you'll remember the different classes and how people were allowed or not allowed to go between the classes. After all, you get what you pay for in this world, and that's a prime example. Douglas told me that boat life in those days really was as luxurious as Titanic had us believe. Huge mahogany staircases, chandeliers in every dining room. And as these trips became increasingly popular, things only got more and more elaborate. Ships got bigger, with grander interiors and brightly painted funnels shooting steam into the sky. Business was booming for ocean liners for over 50 years, until, in 1957, disaster struck. The first jet aircraft arrived. It was the Pan Am Clipper. A new concept in air transportation. The travail has been taken out of travel. An aircraft could take people across the Atlantic in a little over 12 hours. And what a threat that became to the cruise industry, or the passenger shipping industry. Because now the ships were going to have a big, big competition with the airline. The passenger lines then had to do something quickly, so they started adapting the ships. And this is how cruising was born. Passenger liners effectively went out of business in the winter, so they had to adapt. What do people want in the winter? Warm weather. So that's what the passenger liners went for. They started running trips to the Caribbean over the colder months. The companies that started in the cruise industry then started building ships specifically for cruising. With the growth of the airlines came the demise of many of the ocean liner companies, unfortunately. They couldn't keep up, so if they didn't adapt to the oncoming threat of the airline industry, they would die. And so many of them went by the wayside. I mentioned before 1965 when the Beatles introduced Ticket to Ride. The following year, the Beach Boys had good vibrations. And in 1970, the Beatles broke up, but Let It Be was a hit. 
And in 1970, that was when we saw the first purpose-built cruise ships arrive. The company was called Royal Caribbean. And those ships started the trend for the modern way of cruising as a holiday. The ships, however, over the years since 1970 to the present time have grown incredibly. Now we have the large resort ships carrying up to 6,500 passengers. And from the 500,000 passengers that we carried in 1970, in 2018, we carried over 27 million passengers taking worldwide holidays, vacations for the whole family. My favorite part of this story is that by the 1970s, it stopped being a story of fierce competition and became kind of harmonious. The airlines, they really, really started growing. We had national airlines, we had airlines with greater capacity, and as the airlines saw the growth, they added more and more aircraft. Aircraft manufacturers started getting bigger. They wanted bigger planes. They wanted to carry more passengers, make more money. They were competing with the cruise lines. However, however, the cruise lines really took advantage of the airlines because the cruise lines needed to base their ships in outlying areas and the aircraft was the way to get passengers down to the ships. So it didn't matter if you lived in Minnesota and you wanted to take a cruise, you had to go there by aircraft uh, or a very, very long drive down to get to the port of Miami or Port Everglades to take your cruise. So now the airlines and the cruise lines started working together, which was an amazing thing because in the beginning of the airline transatlantic crossing business, they were competing fiercely with the cruise lines. So I absolutely understand why Douglas is so passionate about cruising. Underneath the industry lies a twisting tale of opulence, peril and resolution. But I still don't entirely get why you would spend so long getting somewhere in the modern day. Douglas had an answer for that. Well, I can tell you why. Because ships can take you to various destinations all in the space of a short time. If you fly somewhere and you stay, you have to stay in one place. And what if you don't like it? What if there are things, or what if there's nothing around that you really like? At least on the ship, you have choices. You have lots of choices. So a ship is a destination in itself, and it also takes you to other destinations. And no hotel or resort on land can do that. I think some of the perceptions of cruising are slightly wrong as well, because so many people think a cruise is a cruise is a cruise, and a ship is a ship is a ship. But that's not the case, because we have some very specialised ships for expeditions, for example. Um, so we can actually take you to the most remote places on earth for you to experience. So, for example, having been all the way up to the North Pole, I can tell you that it is an incredible adventure. It's still a cruise, but it's a totally different way of cruising. It's not a fun-in-the-sun cruise. It's an exploration, discovery cruise, and it's all about nature. Or going down to Antarctic Peninsula, or to some of the remote islands in the South Pacific. It's all part of the cruise scene. So I think some of the most dramatic 
scenery on Earth can only be seen from a ship. If I can just describe the way the Antarctic Peninsula strikes me every time I go there, it's simply because it's never the same twice. It's so dramatic. The scenery is so dramatic. And it's so interesting when you see icebergs the size of Belgium floating by, or you land and suddenly... You just sit down and you see masses of penguins and they come towards you. Now, we have a rule in Antarctica that you cannot get any closer than five metres to a penguin, which is fine. The thing is, the penguins can't read. So they actually do come right up to you and they'll step over your feet. And this is one of the things that cruising can do. It can take you to these dramatic experiences. By the way, ships can be romantic places. In fact, I met my wife aboard a cruise ship. It was a Japanese cruise ship, actually. And at first, no, we didn't like each other. But about 15 years later, we met again aboard another ship. And it was a ship of celebrity cruises. And there we go. Romance at sea. And so cruises can be very, very romantic places. So there you have it. First, Douglas was an accordion player who fell so much in love with cruises that he changed careers. And then this radical life decision led him to meet the love of his life. And you know what? I wasn't quite honest at the beginning. Douglas still plays his accordion. This is Him For Her, composed by Douglas for his wife. Now, just before I go, I want to tell you one thing, and that is that travel is the best education you can have. In the 50-plus years that I've been taking cruise ships and cruises in every region of the world, I can tell you that they really are something special. Once you do it, you'll be hooked. You'll become a cruiser. Whether it's for family fun, Arctic exploration, or to accidentally find a soulmate, you might already be organising your own cruise in your mind as I speak. If so, you may want to stay on dry land after your trip to explore a particular region or destination, a popular option in the cruising world. Head to insightguides.com where you can book a specially tailored trip through our website. You can also order a copy of Douglas's book, The Billets Cruising and Cruise Ships Guide, Stay in touch on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Insight Guides. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Zara Sekabasi. This episode was produced by Jesse Lawson for Reduced Listening. Special thanks to Douglas Ward. Next episode, we're taking a journey across Russia.